0: Welcome to Trinity on Tap, the New Testament, a podcast series brought to you by Trinity College, Queensland, presented by Dr. John Frederick. Well, this is 3.3, the Word of God, and you are still with me. My goodness, you folks are resilient with the Boston accent and all you're still coming back. Thank you very much for that. Great will be your reward in heaven. I'm sure of that. Well, today we're on to 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 16, and what I want to do today is focus on this thing that Paul says in those verses, when he talks about the Word of God. So let us hear the Word of God from Thessalonians. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is. The word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. So here's this phrase again, the word of God. The first thing I wanna note as we exegete this text is that Paul is adamant, that the word that was received by the Thessalonians was accepted not as a human word, but was rather the very word of God. This was God's own word. It was derived from God. It was given by God. And it is that through which God works by his spirit. The author of Hebrews speaks about the activity of the word of God in a similar manner. And he does this in Hebrews 4, verse 12. He says that the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. As I mentioned before, these days, many want to argue that it is appropriate to refer to Jesus as the Word of God, but they seem to struggle with the idea that, in addition to Jesus— The words of Holy Scripture are the Spirit-inspired Word of God written. When difficult biblical issues come up, I hear people say, but it's not a problem, John, because the Bible is not the Word of God. Jesus is. This is typically in response to some embarrassing biblical episode or to, you know, a difficult theological question. My view, though, and the view of the early church, and the view of the Apostles, is that in addition to referring to Jesus as the Word of God, the Bible also is the Word of God written. The Bible is the divinely inspired product of human authors under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Spirit-inspired words of the Bible themselves that are authoritative. Clearly, clearly Jesus is the Word of God. I mean, we can learn this from the prologue of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory glorious of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. No doubt Jesus is the Word, the revelation of God, the ultimate divine self-disclosure of God. Furthermore, all Scripture finds its climax and its clarity in the person of Jesus Christ. However, many will go on to conclude, See, Jesus is the Word of God, not Scripture, to which I'll say, Okay, and What would make you say something like that? And people will usually respond, I read it in John chapter 1. To which I usually reply, you mean the John chapter 1, which is in the Bible, which is a book that you just said is not the authoritative word of God. Do you see the problem here? There is a circular argument that people use that undercuts the authority of the Bible while seeking to draw a major premise from the Bible. But you've already taken away authority from the text itself, how can you then cite that very text to make your point? Now, I've already made the point in an earlier podcast that the Bible itself, the early church fathers, the greatest theologians of the church, as well as all evangelicals, Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, Anglicans, that is to say, the overwhelming majority of world Christians view the biblical text itself as authoritative and trustworthy. So I won't belabor the point here too much. I would only encourage you to read further on the topic if you take issue with what I'm saying. This diminishing of the authority of Holy Scripture is not in any way helpful to the growth of the church. It's relatively simple to see what has happened When a diminishing view of the authority of the Bible has been accepted by denominations from across the globe. In every case, those denominations are in steep decline. Again, why? Well, for many reasons. But one of the major reasons is that no one can speak with any clarity or authority or conviction because they are unwilling to say, upon hearing the scriptures, this is the Word of the Lord, and instead they want to affirm that somewhere, hidden in the passage, subjectively discerned by individuals, is the Word of God. Often, this tactic is used to read our own opinions into Scripture against the clear meaning of Scripture, because we cannot accept the difficult teachings that it presents. Now, it baffles me that the Thessalonian church, who clearly received the apostolic teaching as the word of God, would be willing to suffer for this message. And yet, in our current context, we seem to be embarrassed by the text. A text which is our only source for any trustworthy, authoritative information about Jesus and the faith. J.N.D. Kelly, who is a well-regarded church historian, summarized the early church's view of the Bible on page 61 of his book, Early Christian Doctrines. He says, it goes without saying that the early church fathers envisaged the whole of the Bible as inspired. It was not a collection of disparate segments, some of divine origin and others of merely human fabrication." Now, I wonder what those who deny the inspiration of Scripture would say to Thomas Aquinas, arguably the greatest theologian who ever lived, the man who wrote the famous Summa Theologica, who argued that Scripture is inspired by God. Similarly, from the Protestant side of the aisle, John Calvin in his Institutes of Christian Religion wrote the following It seems proper to make some observations on the authority of Scripture. In order that our minds may not only be prepared to receive it with reverence, but be divested of all doubt. When that which professes to be the Word of God is acknowledged to be so, no person, unless devoid of common sense and the feelings of a man, will have the desperate hardihood to refuse credit to the speaker. But since no daily responses are given from heaven, and the Scriptures, are the only records in which God has been pleased to consign his truth to perpetual remembrance with full authority, which they ought to possess with the faithful, unless they are believed to have come from heaven as directly as if God had been heard giving utterance to them. That's from Calvin's Institutes 171. From another angle, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, argued for the divine inspiration of Holy Scripture. Wesley wrote in his explanatory note on the New Testament the following, and these are longer quotes, but many people are unaware of these quotes. But they form the basis of the consensus of Protestant and Catholic thinking from the beginning of time from the Bible all the way up into contemporary times. So it's good to reckon with this, lest we try to reinvent a wheel which has already been well-built through the ages. Hear what Wesley says. Concerning the scriptures in general, it may be observed that the word of the living God, which directed the first patriarchs also, was, in the time of Moses, committed to writing. To this were added, in several succeeding generations, the inspired writings of other prophets. Afterward, what the Son of God preached and the Holy Spirit spake by the apostles— the apostles and the evangelists wrote. This is what we now call the Holy Scripture. That is the word of God, which remaineth forever, of which though heaven and earth pass away, one jot shall not pass away. The scripture, therefore, of the Old and New Testament is a most solid and precious system of divine truth. Every part thereof is worthy of God, and all together are one entire body, wherein is no defect, no excess. It is the fountain of heavenly wisdom, which they who are able to taste prefer to all the writings of human beings, however wise or learned or holy. Elsewhere, in Wesley's sermon entitled, The Witness of Our Own Spirit, he wrote, The Christian rule of right and wrong is the Word of God, the writings of the Old and New Testament, all that the prophets, all that the holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, all that scripture which was given by the inspiration of God and which is indeed profitable for doctrine or teaching the whole will of God for reproof of what is contrary thereto for correction of error and for instruction or training us up in righteousness 2 Timothy 3:16 the westminster confession of faith which is the confession of presbyterians and which highly influenced the savoy declaration which formed the basis for congregationalists and which is still the doctrinal standard for reformed christians argues under the name of Holy Scripture, or the Word of God written, are now contained all the books of the Old and New Testament, all of which are given under the inspiration of God to be the rule of faith and of life. The authority of Holy Scripture, for which it ought to be believed and obeyed, depends not upon the testimony of man or church, but wholly upon God who is truth itself, the author thereof, and therefore it is to be received, because it is the word of God. Sometimes people will argue with me, the idea that the Bible is the word of God is a fundamentalist invention. Only very conservative, fringe Protestant Christians would say such an unsophisticated thing. Apart from the fact that their claim is logically inconsistent because they want to claim that Jesus is the word on the basis of the Bible, which they deny his authority, thus negating the very basis for their own argument, the charge is demonstrably false. I have already shown how the early church And all major streams of the Christian faith have recognized the authority of Scripture, including Jesus, including the apostles. But it can be easily shown that Catholics and Eastern Orthodox Christians, the two largest communions of Christians in the world, both hold to the idea that both Jesus and the Bible are the Word of God. Consider what the Roman Catholic Church teaches in De Verbum, paragraph nine. And this is the Roman Catholic dogmatic constitution on divine revelation. It states this sacred scripture is the word of God, inasmuch as it is consigned to writing under the inspiration of the divine spirit. For Holy Mother Church, relying on the belief of the apostles, holds that the books of both the old and and new testaments in their entirety with all their parts are sacred and canonical because written under the inspiration of the holy spirit they have god as their author and have been handed on as such to the church herself in composing the sacred books god chose men and while employed by him they made use of their powers and their abilities so that with him, acting in them and through them, they, as the true authors, consigned to writing everything and only those things which he wanted. And Dave Verbum continues, Since everything asserted by the inspired authors or sacred writers must be held to be asserted by the Holy Spirit, it follows that the books of Scripture must be acknowledged as teaching solidly, faithfully and without error the truth which god wanted to put into sacred writings for the sake of salvation the orthodox church in america as a further example teaches that quote our faith and belief is in the person of jesus christ the living word of god who is revealed in the written word of god holy scripture Still, even with all of this evidence, because the Bible makes such all-encompassing demands on our life, because it leads us into a way that is so narrow that leads to eternal life, to quote Jesus, many will continue to ignore the historic position of the church and the teaching of the apostles about the trustworthy, authoritative, spiritually-inspired power of the Bible— Jesus alone is the word of God, they will say. Yet a simple sweep through scripture, a bit of biblical theology will again prove that to be too narrow of a view. When Jesus himself said, Hear the word of God, while he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, was he making an odd reference to himself in the third person? I don't think so. And Peter, in 1 Peter 1, 22-25, says that, Believers have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, which he literally then clarifies by saying, this word is the good news that was preached to you. Elsewhere in Luke, Jesus says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it, which is obviously not merely a reference to himself, but to the prophetic inspired message of God throughout all scripture. Furthermore, if there is any doubt that the word of God is both Jesus and the inspired prophetic apostolic message of scripture, the Old Testament is loaded with examples of prophets receiving and conveying the word of the Lord in Malachi, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Micah, Jonah, Hosea, Joel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the Psalms, Genesis, everywhere, many other places, it is the word of the Lord that is said to come to people. Clearly, this means God's revelatory message. And clearly, it is not merely a reference to Jesus alone, but to the totality of God's revelation, the climax of which is Jesus Christ, who, as the Protestant reformer Martin Luther so beautifully stated, comes to us in the crib of sacred scripture. Therefore, rather than diminishing the value of or standing in judgment over scripture, let us continue to marvel at it. Let us continue to wonder at the inspired, authoritative word of God to us for us and for the life of the world. For as the Council of Orange said so beautifully, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. I'll catch you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Trinity College Queensland. Honest answers to tough questions. Visit trinity.qld.edu.au to learn more.